You know, God blessed Abraham because Abraham obeyed God. He wasn't perfect, but he obeyed God or attempted to obey God. Very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We, we are studying Genesis chapter 22. This is very fascinating to understand it. Look at this. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's up? I'm taking a look at this concept of ancient child sacrifice. Ryan? Today, I'm happy to be joined by molecular geneticist Dr. Georgia Purdom, who's here to talk about the supposed relation between humans and chimps. Yeah, she was really good. And I'll tell you what, you need to watch this today. Jan? Well, today is Friday. That means it's our Fun Friday wrap-up, which means that I can ask a question from any of our assigned reading for the last week. That will mean anywhere from Genesis 1 through to Genesis 22. Hope you're ready. Genesis 22, verses 13 through 24. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Huz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba, Gaham, Thahash, and Maacah. Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 through 24. Genesis chapter 21 and 22, that's what we read today as we go through the Bible. And as we're going through the Bible, I want to encourage you uh, that God is teaching us and showing us important things. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, God speaks to Abraham after he is tested with the sacrifice of his son Isaac, his only son. That's other than Hagar, who gave him a son as well, Ishmael. Now, this incident was important in Abraham's life. 
Isaac's life and the lives of their future children. The Lord blessed Abraham with a promise that he would be made into a great nation through Isaac and a blessing to the entire world. After this blessing, Abraham's extended family are mentioned. These passages of scripture may be culturally challenging to us, but they teach us about the nature and the character of God. Among other things, we learn that God speaks to us in ways that we will understand. That's important to remember. The story of God speaking to Abraham in the sacrifice of Isaac is not only about what physically happened, but it also shows us how God interacts with mankind. Let's pay careful attention to the way God acts and responds to men so that we might know him more and more. Pay attention. Let's pay attention. Lord, help us to pay attention. <laughs> that gets very, very interesting. Now, if you don't have your Bible guide, my question is, why not? We'll send you one. You can write to us, you can call us, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. We have it ready. You click on it. It'll make you click on the Bible guide there. It'll make you a donation uh, to uh, our website, and we'll say thank you for that. But then it takes you to a page where you can PDF download it. Very, very interesting. Today, obedience. I want to tell you something. This is not easy. Obedience. You know, we grew up trying to get away from our parents, and now all of a sudden we realize it wasn't so bad, most of us. And we understand that we have to come into some kind of submission. So this is interesting. Father, help us today in Jesus' name as we look at this passage of Scripture. Help us to hear what you're saying. Help us to understand how you're saying it. Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, we pray that we would hear it. And thank you, Lord. And, and help us not to read into it, but help us to read out of it. Let your word change us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, let's look at the Scripture. We're talking about 22 beginning with verse 13, because in the previous years, we've studied 1 through 12. Verse 13, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. This is, he's in the midst of sacrificing his son. He's in the midst of that. Now, this is the son God promised to him. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there was behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, because you were willing to sacrifice your son and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Now that's important. I want you to remember that God blessed Abraham because he obeyed the Lord. Because he obeyed the Lord. 
You know, God always blesses our obedience to him. Now keep that in mind, okay? When we obey the Lord, God blesses them. You know, obeying the Lord's not easy. Loving your enemy, that's not easy. We have to figure out how to do that. So keep that in your heart. Keep that in your mind because God tells us things and speaks to us what his plans are for us. Genesis twenty-two eighteen 18 says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So our point is simple. Abraham's obedience would ultimately impact all the nations of the world. Abraham's obedience would ultimately impact all the nations of the world. God's blessings are immeasurable. We can bless others through our obedience to God. Beloved, when we obey God, God rewards us, and then it becomes easy for us to bless others. So it makes a lot of sense. Now, here's my thinking. You should pray for your pastors or people and pray, pray this way. Say, Lord, help them to obey you. Help them to obey you because they need to do what you said because they will be a blessing to us when they obey you. We need to keep that in our hearts and keep that in our minds. Now, let's go to the next verse, 20 to 24. It says, now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham saying, indeed, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor. Haz is his firstborn, Baz is his, his brother. Kimmel is the father of Aram, and Chest, Hazo, Pildesh, Jedlath, and Bethuel, and Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Ramuel, also bore Tebla, or Teba, Geham, Thahash, and Mesha. Now that's important to remember because Abraham learns about his brother's growing family. Remember this. It is God's choice to activate us, not our past where we came from. It is God's choice to activate us. It's not our past or where we came from. I, I have a lot of people who say this to me. They say, well, my father said, and my mother said, or my father was gone, so my mother said, and you know, that's interesting, but my question to you, regardless of your parents, what does God say? He is your heavenly father. And people have said to me, well, how can God be my heavenly father? My father was terrible to me. That's why he's your heavenly father. <laughs> he's not going to be terrible to you. He's going to be very merciful to you. He's going to be He's going to heal you. He's going to help you. He's going to be gracious to you, beloved. Keep that in mind. And we need to pray today. And as we do, let me pray for those who've had terrible fathers or terrible upbringings. Father, I pray for the people who are struggling with this as they hear Abraham and all of the things going on. Help them to give their lives to you and begin to trust you. Because Lord, we need to trust you right now. We, because things are coming that are very difficult. So Father, we pray to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to trust in you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, amen. Now, 
As we go on learning from Abraham's life, many other things, there are things that God is still revealing to us. Genesis chapter 22 records the very famous and very controversial test that God gave Abraham of sacrificing his son Isaac. So today, you and I are going to be taking a look at the concept of child sacrifice, not only in the Bible, but also in ancient history. The issue of human child sacrifice is brought up early on in the Bible. In the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God specifically outlaws child sacrifice three times. In Leviticus 18, the practice is interestingly listed among the sexual sins, sins that are against God's purposes for the family. In Leviticus 20, it's listed in the religious sins, sins that are against God's nature and seen as religious adultery or cheating. And in Deuteronomy 12, it's given as an example to show how terrible the cultures living in Canaan were. They even did what should be unthinkable, killing children for their own advantage. And that is what history reveals as a main goal of child sacrifice, to get a spiritual advantage or favor. Greek historians writing in the 3rd to 1st centuries BC speak of child sacrifice having been brought to them in ancient times by the Phoenicians that it was utilized to try and secure the favor of a god. A vow would be made, if you do this for me, I will sacrifice my child. And then the child would be sacrificed as a show of good faith. Although sometimes the child was sacrificed after the god had given the favor. Mass child sacrifice could also be employed if the city faced something on a broad scale, like defeat in battle. The historians also hint at loopholes, how the wealthy had been known to purchase children from the poor to sacrifice, or how some used child sacrifice to get rid of unwanted children or children with disabilities. The method of sacrifice is described as placing the children on a statue of a god with sloped arms, off of which the child would roll into a pit of fire, while music was played to drown out any crying, although it is unclear whether the children were first slaughtered and then burned, or if the method of death itself was the pit of fire. This bears striking resemblance to the biblical descriptions of Canaanite child sacrifice to Molech as passing children through the fire. In 1921, the largest child sacrifice burial ground so far was discovered, containing the cremated remains of over 20,000 children, ranging in age from newborn to six years old. You know, an amazing part of tests, uh, tests of God that we read about in the Bible, but also just tests that we take in our life. You know, if you're going through schooling and you take a test, that test reveals what you know. So it reveals, but good tests can also teach you uh, things about, you know, the material that you're trying to learn. And so we see here with Abraham, uh, you know, his, his uh, trust, his faith in God was revealed because when you truly trust God, you believe that he wants what is best for you. And so 
a part of trust in God is obedience. If you trust God, you will be obedient to the ways of God because you trust, you believe that what he is asking you to do or what he has for you or his morality is what is best for you. So we see that revealed in Abraham that his trust, his faith in God was real because he was willing to obey God. But this test just didn't just reveal things about Abraham. It also taught Abraham things about God, that God unlike the other gods of that time period, was a provider. He doesn't need our sacrifice. In fact, we need his sacrifice. And that also, uh, you know, foreshadowed the very uh, needed work of Jesus Christ. It's interesting because his obedience to God was driven by his trust of God. Mm -hmm. And that faith, if you would, that faith actually makes him God's friend. God says he's my friend. Mm -hmm. as well. And God actually says that to us today. And it's hard for people to realize that because God is this huge thing that we see in the sky and we believe in the Bible. But at the same time, he's one-on-one -on -one with us. And that's really fascinating. And we're seeing the growth of Abraham's relationship with God. Mm -hmm. That's in the scripture. That's what we're seeing. And God spoke to Abraham in a way that he would understand, which is differently than he would speak to us today because our culture and the different. time in which we live is so different. So that's what we have to understand when we're reading the Old Testament. Some of the stuff in there is very shocking to us because we come from such a different time period. So we have to kind of, when we come across something shocking, we have to kind of take a step back from it emotionally and look and see what God was trying to accomplish through those things. Yeah, because I mean, if people were to look at our culture today mm -hmm. uh, from the past, yeah. they would look at us and go, what is that? Yeah. You know, like, because the Bible covers thousands of years. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that. And the more we understand that, the more we realize what God is saying in the Bible, because he says specific things to different cultures in the past. Very good, Corey. Excellent. Okay, Ryan, you're up. What's going on? Yeah. Well, if you're a regular watcher of the program, you know that during our study through the book of Genesis for 2022, I've been sharing clips of some of the recent interviews I conducted with our friends at Answers in Genesis. And as they rightly point out, Genesis is a critical part of the Bible and even of the gospel itself. Now, so far, I've shown you clips from my interviews with Bodie Hodge and Calvin Smith, who are both very outspoken in regards to the authority of God's word beginning with Genesis. But someone else who doesn't shy away from these issues is the brilliant scientist, Dr. Georgia Purdom. Now, her specialty is molecular genetics, and she's here to talk to us today a little bit about the alleged similarity between humans and chimps. So let's go. Okay, so I wanna ask you about a popular talk that you give that's entitled, Are Humans Related to Chimps? And within that talk, you deal with three main questions. And so I want to ask you those one by one. And the first question is, how similar is human and chimp DNA sequence? Because we've all heard how human and chimp DNA are 98 or 99% identical. Right. And so um, so normally I have like an hour to turn on. <laughs> so, <laughs> Take your time. Uh, I know. Well, I'll give you the short version of it. So yeah, we hear that. 98 to 99% the same. But what people don't realize is that when they're giving that only 1% difference, they're only counting one type of difference between human and chimp DNA. Um, they're not counting all the possible types. Um, they're not 
So there's lots of different categories of differences, shall we say, and they don't count those. And some people say, well, why not? I mean, if they're legitimate differences, these are observable. Okay, we can compare human and chimp DNA. So this is something we can see with our eyes. It's observational science. So if we can see it, then why aren't they counting it? Why aren't they counting unaligned DNA? Why aren't they counting gaps? Why aren't they counting copy number variations? You know, there's all kinds of things they don't count in that final number. And the reason is because it doesn't fit their evolutionary worldview. It's very, very hard to explain how you could accumulate all of these differences in just six or seven million years since we broke off from the common ancestor with the chimps, okay? So they can't explain it, so they have sort of a preferential and selective treatment of the data. Um, they only interpret, they only give you the data or give you the information that supports the idea that they want you to believe and that they think is true. I mean, because they're coming at it from their worldview um, that this is what has happened in the past. and so. That's a big problem and people need to understand that the way they're presenting it and how they're presenting it is very deceptive um, and, and you know, data will sing any song you want it to sing. And so um, you have to be careful and you have to really evaluate everything and see what the real story is. And so there's, so there's just no way to get all of the differences that we see between humans and chimps in just a few million years. And I always say, even if we could, um, mutations, which is what these are, changes in the DNA, um, they degrade, they harm, they take away, they cause cancer, they cause disease. They don't do what evolutionists need them to do, which is to change one kind of organism into another. So it's a problem no matter how you look at it for evolution. So as you can probably imagine, there's a lot more to that interview as I ask her a lot of different questions related to genetics, the Bible, creation, and evolution. And you know, she will be back on Monday to talk to us a little bit more, but if you'd like to see the full interview, it is available on this DVD set called A World by Design, the Niagara Conference. Also on it are interviews with Cal Smith, Bodie Hodge, Patricia Engler, and Corey McKenna. And you can call or write in for it, or you can order it on our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. It's a great resource to combat the rising skepticism that believers face in our world. You know, it's, it's interesting because when you think about it, and if you believe the Bible, you know that the Bible says in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, God created all creatures of the earth, and then he created the beast of the earth. And you think about dinosaurs, and a lot of people are afraid of dinosaurs because they figure, well, dinosaurs eat humans, you know, and I ask some children, at our Bible Discovery Kids thing, I said, well, what do you think about dinosaurs? Well, they're great, they're great, but they eat humans. And I, I thought about Genesis 9, where the fear of man was put into the beast uh, at, after the flood. Mm -hmm. And before that, there was no fear of man and beast. And I said, well, did you know there was a time when they didn't eat humans? There was a time when it was different and lions didn't eat lambs and things like that didn't happen. Yeah. And to realize all of that and to see the animals today and the many extinct that are happening, following consistently with what the Bible says, we recognize that our past does not have to be redefined by people's ideas, but we understand what the past is by reading the Bible. Yeah, it's God was there and uh, he gives us the eyewitness account. The he, beginning of the world and the beginning of the universe. So, and he does. Yeah. And that's very important. So we need to remember that. And that's what we believe on this program. It becomes important for you to understand that. That's how we believe on this, that this book here is the, is the, the best book of all, the biggest selling book and the one translated into more languages than any other book. Uh, it remains the world's best selling book. So it's very, very, it's only, the only book that's really been outlawed. 
so many different countries. So it's very good. All right. Now, Corey. Yes. What is going on on YouTube? Okay, yes. Okay, so all all last year, every Saturday on my YouTube channel, I released a chapter-by-chapter chapter recap video to keep you going. And, and, you know, if you fall behind in your reading, get you caught back up. That is still there. But now we are adding even more content to my YouTube channel. We're going to be releasing fun videos every month. You know, I say fun, but, you know, experimental videos, archaeological videos, where I take you through some really interesting things, uh, you know, related to what we're reading in the scripture. I'm also going to be pulling my husband onto the recap as well uh, so we can talk through some of the issues. We're going to be answering some of your questions on those videos as well. So if any of that interests you, check out my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Corey Bobetchko, and we will be posting every Saturday morning, just like we have uh, every Saturday last year. And you can get uh, that Corey Bobetchko uh, at uh, youtube.com, but you can also Fish it through on the uh, streamtv.com or the Bible is However, if you do that, you won't be able to comment on the video. So. <laughs> okay, all right, but it's available. So, but, but you can YouTube find it. Best. You can you find Corey. If you want to know how to spell Bobetchko and all that stuff. <laughs> all right, I burned up enough time on this. Try to burn time here to give less time for you to think. Go ahead. Oh, oh. thanks. Nice. Well, that's not. That's not too nice for the viewers, but, no, but I'm, now well, the I'm doing the are... same thing. So this is our Friday wrap up. We have a question of the week. I can choose and have chosen from Genesis chapter one through to Genesis chapter 22, which is today's reading. How many sons did Terah have? Now, for those of you at home, and this is your first time through the Bible, I'm going to give you a hint. Terah is Abraham's father, so we know that he had at least one son. So how many sons did Terah have? One two or three. What do you think? Yeah, we've... Uh, we've concurred. We have, we have yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to answer it? Sure. Okay. Three. We believe All three. right. We think three. You at home, how many did you think? One, two, or three? We know that he had more than one. And if you agreed with Ryan and Corey, then you are absolutely right. Tara had three sons. And we can find that in Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. If you want to check me out, it says, Now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. I told him. You did not. I did. I told him. I put up three fingers over <laughs> oh, here. Oh, I think they already knew. I think they did. <laughs> I think they already knew. Hopefully you did. Mm -hmm. But he had three sons. All right. There you go. Thank you. And we'll continue on with the program. We are live at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with a prayer meeting on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery TV for you. We will pray for you because God is moving in unique ways. So join us and be there because we'll, we'll definitely pray for you. Father, I pray today as we conclude this program, 
that you would help us to obey your voice. Help us to learn what Abraham has learned and know more as we study on in Jesus' name.